0: Welcome to another episode of Green with Envy. I'm your host, Greg Menakis. Today, I am joined, as always, by my best friend, Will Weir. We're skipping the nicknames today, baby. What's going on? What up? What up? What up, man? No nicknames today? What's going on? No nicknames today. I was like, you know what? Like, I feel like that's a little bit too much on the uh, Chris Vernon, Kevin O'Connor corner. Um, that's on their
1: block for sure
0: yeah that's definitely on their block you know uh i figured we just have an baby yeah kevin Kevin o'corner that's hilarious uh yeah so how you doing bro
1: i'm doing good man the real question is how you feeling so for those of you listening in um we got together earlier today shout out to our trainer emily Bussy of Bussy boot camp don't know if that's the official name yet but we gotta shout our girl out yes sir. uh went through a little little boot camp this morning uh, i know we, we took a week off last week uh, mm-hmm. so how you feeling getting back into it how's the body reacting i know uh i know you're kind of uh mr tin glass over there so how are you feeling
0: well you know i'm general weakness um, yeah, I, I feel okay, man. I feel okay. My I iced my knee right after. For those of you out there listening that are concerned about my physical well being, I uh I was running from a dog that was off its leash and I ran directly into a parked pickup truck <laughs> late August. And I burst the always
1: be aware of your surroundings, kids. That's always, yeah, head on
0: a swivel, head on a swivel. I, I, I you know, too many years removed, rubbing neck, rubbing neck, rubbing neck. <laughs> and I slammed my knee off the, uh, off the pickup truck. And I believe I burst the bursa sac in my knee and it's just been a really long rehab process. So, I mean, my knee feels good today for sure, but after we had hooped a couple weeks back, my knee was not feeling good, man. It was not feeling good at all. So I was wondering how it would feel today at Bussy Camp. Once again, shout out M. Uh, but I did okay. I mean, other than almost passing out during those hundred yard sprints that we were doing, I feel, I feel pretty good. How about you?
1: Yeah, it was tough, man. It was a good, it was a good workout. And for, you know, you talked about we, me and you tried to tried to get together and shoot some hoops about, uh, was it the Wednesday before Thanksgiving? Um, let's just say that shit was not pretty. Um, definitely did not go down how we remembered playing basketball in nine months, so I feel like it's almost like when you get out of a relationship and you start to romanticize the good parts of your relationship and you sometimes forget about those bad parts. Yeah. Like we hadn't played ball in so long. In my mind, it was like, man, when we used to hoop, just, you know, pick and pop, throw me in the corner, you know, knock down some shots everything was feeling, you know, had that real good flow to it. And then it's like, if you were to, you know, backslide on that relationship and you go out on a date, you meet up with this person and instantly you're like, this is nothing that I remember. <laughs> that thing, and that's kind of what it felt like getting back out there and shooting. It was, it didn't feel natural. None of the movements felt right. I almost just wanted to, to start all over again. <laughs> no, I hear you, man.
0: It's it's funny, right? Because, you know, I, I played ball at a decently high level. Um, you were talented enough to play high school ball. You just got screwed over early on in your uh, high school career and then never was able to bounce back from that stigma of getting cut from the freshman team or whatever it was. Yeah, uh, there was no
1: MJ story to, to getting cut.
0: <laughs> and, you know, it's funny when we play pickup and you and I are on the same team, which like, you know, I'm barely a 5'11 six feet tall, you're five, eight, five, nine. And when we're on the same team together, when we go to that pickup run, everyone complains about it. They're like, Oh, it's like not fair that you guys are on the same team. It's like, we're not like the two of us together are not the building blocks of like a winning pickup team. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's it's always funny. been real weird that that's happened. And it's been specifically with that, with our pickup group, that I think we've mentioned before we used to play uh, every Tuesday, had this running group chat. And this would happen a lot. And I was always very confused, but I'm not going to lie. It was a huge confidence boost for your boy over here. No doubt. Just to be like, yo, we got to separate this backcourt dynamo that we got going over here. That's just running court. And it's like... "Ah." You know, I, I don't know if the two sub six foot dudes, one of which can't <laughs> jump over a credit card, the other one, you know, can't go more than five points without getting nicked up or banged up in some capacity. Like, it's very rare that you and I, I, I felt like had that much influence, but that's like I talked about before the romanticizing. That's what I remember now. But going back to it, we got to we got to keep we got to get back in the gym at some point or at least back on the outdoor courts.
0: <laughs> oh, no doubt. And, I, you know, I'm wondering right now with with how my knees has been feeling for the past three to four months, like how long it's going to take for me to actually get back to full speed. And perfect segue. Speaking of bad knees, uh, my man, Kemba Walker, the big news dropped uh, earlier this week. Kemba Walker is going to be missing. 12 weeks of boston celtics basketball this year as that troublesome knee uh, apparently he received stem cell injections into his knee because the rest and the physical therapy just wasn't working it wasn't working one bit um so this seems to be like a last-ditch effort as a way to get kemba healthy and we talked about this a bit on that last pod um so this is why that signing of jeff teague is such a big deal but i actually wanted to kick it to you man and I was wondering, I've seen a lot of conversation on Celtics Twitter and around what the starting lineup is going to look like this year. Now, with the news of Kemba being out, who are you expecting to slide into that starting point guard role?
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's for me, that's why we signed Jeff Teague. I think Jeff Teague is going to be the one. And whether or not he starts, I guess that can be up for debate. It seems like the most natural transition He's a veteran. Um, I can see the argument that you slide Marcus into that kind of starting point guard role, uh, maybe insert, you know, Grant Williams into the starting lineup or, you know, I, there's a couple of different ways that that you could play it if you went that way. Um, Or even starting Teague and moving Smart out of the starting lineup and having him continue to run that six-man spot, which I actually really like him for, to kind of, you know, keep that second unit in line. Um, You know, ultimately, I think my prediction would be we start with Teague, Smart, Jalen, Tatum. And right now, Tice, because also Thompson's banged up right now. Tristan Thompson uh, still dealing with, I believe it's a hamstring injury. I don't think it's going to keep him out for the start of the season, but it's going to delay his start in training camp. So getting caught up with everything, I would just envision Tice is a little bit, obviously he's been on the team now for three years, a little bit more of a natural transition for him to start and Thompson to to build himself up and build himself into, um, into the Celtics rotation. But, you know, I, I think it's going to be, I think it would go, like I said, Teague, Smart, Brown, Tatum, Tice. Do you see that going a different way?
0: Yeah, I, I, I see the argument there. Now, the, the one thing I was kind of kicking around in my brain the other day was, what, what are we actually trying to get out of this point guard position this year, especially with Kemba being out? Because if we're thinking that maybe this knee is just never going to be the same and Kemba's going to be – Maybe, maybe 80% of what he what we expected him to be and what he was at the beginning of last year. Like at some point, you need to find the the point guard of the future, right? And it's not Jeff Teague. So if, if you're just trying to win games this year, I think Jeff Teague's probably uh, the guy to start at point and you move Marcus to the two, as you were saying. But I think there's a really big argument to consider that Marcus Smart might be the point guard of the future for this team. You know, I've always saw Marcus as that Kyle Lowry type player and Lowry mm-hmm. had such a, you know, mid to late career resurgence and, and leap that he took. So I'm wondering if Marcus could actually follow a similar path that, that Lowry did. And if that's the case, then I think you got to give Marcus the keys right off the jump and you have Teague uh, come in off the bench. What do you think about that?
1: So I think that's interesting. Cause I think, you know, when you think of those guys that, and, and you know, I think Marcus probably started from, I want to say a a higher place of prominence than, than Kyle Lowry did where it took Kyle Lowry. I think of like a Chauncey Billups where they, they both kind of Lowry didn't bounce around as much as Billups did, but it was really like year five, year six. It's like, they started to get their footing. Marcus is a little bit ahead of that schedule. What's Marcus year seven? I think it's either year six or year seven, but just as far as being a rotation player on a contending team and, and being a, having a little bit additional exposure, I'd say Marcus is maybe a little bit ahead of that. But I like the I like the thought process of where this could be going, especially with you know if if like you said if this Kemba injury maintains itself, he's on the books for three more years, mm-hmm. uh, and you know we'll get into it later apparently no contract is immovable as we saw earlier this week <laughs> in the NBA um, but it, it, it starts to you know look a little iffy so um, I think it's something that I wouldn't say right out the gate I would jump to that because I don't one of my biggest hesitations with Marcus and I know I feel like we talk about the the, the bad side of Marcus maybe too much or, or at least I do is you know the amount of responsibility that Marcus has given on offense worries me sometimes, but I think to the other side of that, I think you're right. You got to find out, could that be the solution? And on the other end of that spectrum, we have these, you know, we have the Peyton Pritchard, Tremont waters, Carson Edwards, and I don't know what those guys are going to be, but I think in these first, you know, two months or so that we're going to be without Kemba, um, you got to find out what's there. You got to find out mm-hmm. if one of them, at least one of those three, when the team is fully healthy can be a part of that guard rotation and at least get you some valuable minutes, because if not, that's where we have these, you know, the, the giant Gordon Hayward trade exception, a few other small ones that we have that you look to see, okay, maybe we can find a way to bring in a George Hill or go find someone of that caliber out there for, for this year. Mm -hmm. But look into the future. I do think you're right. If if we can immediately or pretty soon identify that I don't know if those other three younger guards are going to be it. Maybe it is time to find out, hey, is Marcus that point guard? I mean, would you feel comfortable as saying, you know, we know how we feel about the Mm Jays? Would you feel comfortable saying that for, for them, we just locked them up for the next four to five years? Would you feel comfortable as Marcus being their point guard that meshes with their game? It's the starting point guard playing, you know, 30 plus minutes a game doing a lot of ball handling and having a lot more responsibility than he consistently has right now. Would you feel good about that as currently constituted?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think with Marcus, is if you're at, you're, you're asking him to play a different role. If you're asking him to be the starting point guard, right? So you would hope yeah, that percent with that added responsibility, he stops with, you know, those bullshit games where he takes 15 threes, you know, cause if that's kind of the role that he was in. He, he was our de facto scorer off the bench, even though Marcus smart, you, no one would say that's his primary skill yeah. set is to be a scorer, but he had to fill that role. So if you're going to ask Marcus to, to play point, because Marcus is actually a really savvy passer and a really good playmaker and he he does a great job um, in the pick and roll setting people up. So if you're if you're asking Marcus Extremely
1: underrated passer in my opinion.
0: For sure, for sure. That's probably his second best skill after his defense. Um, so I think if Marcus, you know, and you wouldn't ask him to play point guard in key situations really, you know, when down the stretch the ball's going to be in Tatum's hands and he's going to be running pick and roll. So I don't think Marcus needs to really be a point guard other than the beginning of, of the half beginning of the game, the beginning of the second half. Right. So he just needs to like get the team into the offense early in the game. And I think with what he brings on the defensive end um, I definitely feel comfortable with him pairing with, with the Jays, because those three right there, that's a dynamic defensive, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. guard wing position. And then you just got to figure out who's going to fill in the gaps uh, at the top and off the bench and Kemba if Kemba you know if he's not the guy that he was he's still going to be a great guy off the bench maybe the the last two years of his contract if that's what ends up what what ends up happening with his knee so I I personally believe Marcus could play point and play it well as long as Brad communicates with him that hey like your role is now to get the team into the offense and be a true point guard
1: yeah, and I think that's my biggest concern is just the accepting of of what the new role is, because I do, you know, we've talked about it during the playoffs, we talked about it a lot, like the roller coaster that is Marcus Smart, if he's going to have that added level of responsibility, there needs to be a little bit more consistency along the way, because I think there's a lot of times where now, you know, it's 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 a nice luxury, especially when we had the depth that we had last year where it's like hey Marcus can step up and fill in and be you know when Gordon Hayward was out he can fill that role do you necessarily want him doing it all the time no but it's a luxury that he can do it but then sometimes when it's a longer uh you know stretches of time you start to see some some you know cracks in the armor so to speak so I, I think it's interesting I I'm not opposed to it um you know I I don't know if and I think also it goes back to Danny Ainge and roster building. And that's where there's a big gap right now is the depth on this team. So all of these can be mitigated by who else we have surrounding, you know, who else is filling in if Marcus is the point guard. All right. Who's the other wing that's playing with Tatum and Brown and, you know, what is the center spot? So that, that changes the equation as well. Um, But I think it's going to be something to keep an eye on. Something that I know you and I will be digging into more as the
0: season begins can I, um, which kind of leads real, us to... Can I jump in real yeah, quick? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And transition. Go ahead. So one more thing I think everyone should consider is that, you know, if, if you're going to go with the lineup that you had suggested, right, with the Teague, mm-hmm. Marcus, Jays, and Tice lineup, that puts a lot of pressure on Marcus, Jalen, and Tatum to guard up, right? So last year when Hayward was starting, Hayward was really the guy that was covering power forwards. So without that six-foot-eight athlete, in the starting lineup. Now, now you're going to be asking a little bit more of a physical toll on Marcus, uh, in the Jays. So I, I would actually think that, you know, whether Marcus comes off the bench or not, I think either Teague or Marcus is going to be starting. And then you're going to see Jalen at the two Tatum at the three, and then probably Grant and Tice or Grant and Tristan, if Tristan's healthy, I would imagine that's how Brad is going to deal with like the, the You know the shortened season and Mm -hmm. the physical toll that it's going to take on people is just to play more physical players or more than you would expect, and so I think Grant's actually going to be in the starting lineup.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the things we'll probably see several different starting lineups over the you know beginning of the season. Um, You know, part of the reason that I'm leaning into the the Jeff T is just going to slot into Kemba is a lot. I mean, in the playoffs when Gordon Hayward went out it was a Kemba and Marcus starting Mm -hmm. backcourt with the Jays and then Tice. So we'll see. I, I think it will be a little bit of mix and match, but that gets us to the next point is that we now have a first half schedule. So the way the NBA has done it, they've rolled out the first half of the season schedule, which is about, I think uh, it's going to be a 72 game schedule, something roughly around 40 games or so that have been released. Uh, Celtics, obviously, you know, I'm still a marquee team in the NBA have 14 national games slated uh, tied for second with a few other teams behind the Lakers that has 16 Uh, Celtics will be a part of the opening night. Well, there's the opening night in the 22nd and then the second. Night on the 23rd, which also has just two national games. Celtics will play against the Bucks on the 23rd. And then two days later on Christmas, they'll host Kyrie KD in the Nets, which once again really sucks that Kyrie does not get to hear the booze that the Garden mm-hmm. wants to bring. The Garden wants it so bad. And Kyrie ducked them last year. This year, COVID doesn't got to worry about it. But uh, those are two marquee games that we have that really kick us off here coming up in in just a couple of weeks. Uh, What are your initial thoughts even, you know, on those two games or or just that first half schedule in general?
0: Yeah, for sure. I I mean, I was furious when Kyrie left and like I was so angry. I, I like to me, it felt like, you know, one of you had a a toxic girlfriend, but like the sex was fire or something like that. And and then and then y'all broke up and you just a like A really- lot of
1: ex-girlfriend talked on today's podcast. <laughs> Not that any of this is based in reality,
0: just for this. <laughs> and, um, and I think that with Kyrie, like I'm at the point now, you know, like in the past you break up with a girl and like you wake up and you think about her literally every single day. And you're like, man, like wh- wh- when is that day gonna come where I don't think about her, right? I got I got to that point with Kyrie, I think sometime over the summertime where like I I stopped caring that he was on the Celtics at, at some point in the past. I don't care. Like maybe if I was there and a couple beers in me, I might boo him. But I'm at the point now where I've kind of let it go. I'm really happy with the the team that we have, you know, getting back to conversations with with some of our friends, like LipTac, our, our Nick's friend, when he was just like, Oh, you guys would rather have Kemba than Kyrie. And we were like, dude, listen, having Kyrie on our squad just made that team not fun to root for. Like Celtics fans just want a team that they can root for. And right now I love the team that we have and I'm happy rooting for them. So I'm, I'm cool, yeah. man. I, I don't need to boo Kyrie. If people want to boo him, go ahead, do, it, do what you do. But hey, listen, let it go. Wake up, try, try to think about something else. You don't got to keep thinking yeah. about... Captain Petty. Captain Petty. I want to prove
1: this shit out of Kyrie. And I actually, I, I don't even care that much. I just think it'd be fun. I just, I love those environments when you think to go into of games or you're excited to watch that game on TV because you're going to feel that environment through the television. That's something that obviously, you know, with COVID, we're going to be missing um, mm-hmm. a lot of that throughout the season. But that's just one of those games where if I had a ticket to I'd be so excited. I I honestly, you know, I'm in a similar position with Kyrie where I've kind of moved on, and it's just a weird time to go back and think about Kyrie's time as a Celtic because you could tell probably, you know, around the All-Star game a little bit afterwards that he was checked out. Like, Mm -hmm. most Celtics fans, most realistic Celtics fans, thought two things number one Kyrie's leaving mm-hmm. and number two I think a lot of us were like good fucking riddance at that point like it just it just like we said you know talking to back to our conversation that we had with our buddy Lipsack. like Kyrie being there didn't necessarily make Jalen and you know Tatum's growth any worse but it certainly didn't help you know mm-hmm. and that year too especially when you look at Tatum people were a little bit frustrated or people were trying to figure not even frustrated but just trying to figure out you know what we saw without Kyrie why now with Kyrie and, and what was really the one season that we really had all of the healthy options Hayward stayed healthy wasn't himself but Hayward was healthy Kyrie was available Tatum and Brown year two year three uh, and Horford was still on the team and that was really the year where it was like man look at this talent look at everything that we have here the defense the shooting the ball all of it could have meshed and it just never fit and mm-hmm. it really fair or not felt like a you know it felt like a Kyrie thing and, I, and then when we're, we're all looking at it from the outside looking in looking in at media reports and you know we can draw our own conclusions but it just did and so Kyrie just you know at a certain like halfway through that season I had already kind of washed Sam. my hands of him and it was let's see what happens maybe this all turns around and there was that moment where in that buck series in the conference semis you know the first won game people- one The first six quarters, they Yeah. the first six quarters. They felt like the better team. And then I don't know what the hell happened after that, but that it just felt like a a new team. And then I'll still never forget. And this is probably one of the reasons why I really want to boo Kyrie is. I know uh, what you're going to say. Him trying to guard. Oh, my
0: God. What the
1: and waving off. I don't know who was coming over to switch, but that's that's a huge part of Brad's system is, you know, don't let a man get stuck on an island Mm -hmm. if you can make if even if you if it's not the the best option to guard Giannis improve it by getting Tyson by getting Tatum whatever and Kyrie waving people off to play defense which not one person in the history of watching basketball has ever said man I really like Kyrie for his defense (laughs) tries to guard the fucking MVP get the fuck out of here so I'm gonna miss that but but I'm just excited for basketball to be back Starting on the 23rd for the Celtics.
0: So what I remember from that those moments, because I feel like it was m- over s- multiple plays. It wasn't even like Giannis was out on the perimeter. It was like Giannis at the free throw line in his in his pet spot, you know, where and Kyrie's just like getting down in a defensive stance, like. Doing some KG shit, clapping like I got this, I got this, and Giannis like literally just took one yeah. step. And the, the the, the right.
1: phoniest fake like he might as well like have done. I mean, he did go to Duke. Go ahead and go ahead and done the the Duke slap the floor, mm-hmm. and it's like, bro, he's like
0: it's dude, not it's he, not a movie right now, bro. This is not a yeah. Movie. This is a real game, and he's seven feet, and you're a bad defender.
1: <laughs> but, but here's the thing I Ky, trying to figure out Kyrie is you're just going to spiral yourself down a rabbit hole. That I'm already angry. I, I want to
0: boom again. I want See, to boom.
1: Again. I got you back. I got <laughs> you back. Got you back. Got you back, man. But um, no, I I'm actually really interested. I think those are going to be just going back to the bucks on the 23rd and the nets on Christmas day. I think those are going to be really interesting tests for this team where well, we've already talked about, you know, something that I'm certainly worried about is, is is our depth on on the wing? I love you know our front line. Our front line on the mm-hmm. wing is fantastic, uh, but going up right off the bat where you got to face Giannis and Middleton, and then you got to face. We get to see what what KD version that we're mm-hmm. getting, yeah. and you know ninety percent of KD is still maybe the second best player in the Eastern Conference. Well, so, it'll
0: be it'll be really cool to see Tatum go up against KD. Exactly right. So like we we all think Tatum can be this you know tier one player in the league. And you know, whether that's KD being 90% of what he was and Tatum taking another leap, but if there's if they're comparable on some level, can you imagine the narrative coming out of that game if Jason Tatum like plays Kevin Durant to a draw? Like people, Boston well, so fans gonna lose, Boston fans are gonna lose their shit,
1: and that's part of it because we talked about I don't know if it was, I think it was two podcasts ago when uh, you were going on something about Apex Predators or whatever the fuck you're talking about, yeah, but I, st- I stand by it. I'm I'm not I'm not with you. I don't I just don't understand. I'm not a very smart man. I don't understand. But training wheels are off right now. You know, it's you know, where are we at with Tatum and Brown, extensions are are in, they're ink, they're signed. Jalen starts this season. Tatum's will will start next year, these next four to five years. This is really, you know, this is their team. It's officially their team. There's no more. Well, they can defer to Kemba, they can defer to Hayward, you know, mm-hmm. Horford's here to kind of lead the way. Nope. This is Jay, this is the Jays team right now. And right off the bat, they're getting the toughest test they can imagine the Middleton and Giannis combo, and then following that up with, with KD and the nets. Like that's super freaking exciting, man. Just, to, just as a litmus test to see where we're at. And it's, it's a, and, you know, here's the thing either way, I hope, I hope, and I'm including myself in the Celtics, but I hope I don't overreact one way or the other. Because it's such a weird season. It's been a two month off season coming out of the bubble. It's I, I don't even know like what time it is anymore. So whether this is you know a positive that we want to jump all over, it's it's we gotta take it kind of with a, a grain of salt. Whichever way it goes, but it's still super freaking exciting to see to see where we're at right now.
0: Bro, I'm pumped. I'm like this this pod's actually getting me excited to watch basketball again. I'm looking at I'm looking at my computer right now. It's December sixth, man. I'm thinking mm-hmm. the the season's like. Friggin two months away it's two weeks away
1: that's what i'm saying i'm saying it's it's, it's right here man like we're we're a couple weeks away we're gonna have actual games to break down you and i are gonna actually go. be able to talk about what's happening on the court get back to the morning box score hit mm-hmm. some shout out to coach Billy may corner we'll have a few other things we're adding in but uh i'm excited man i think that schedule you know the schedule is interesting in itself i was looking through it and I don't fully understand the way the NBA set it up. I really thought it was going to be a lot more regionalized, which they've done in certain mm-hmm. parts, Where there's a lot of um, like, we play the Sixers on a Wednesday and a Friday in Philly. Like we just go to Philly and there's okay. several of those throughout the schedule, but That's then there's cool. also a couple where it's like, we're going to LA and then back home for one game and then back to like the LA Phoenix, Utah type. So it's, it, I don't know. It's it's a little it's a little weird, but I I, think I haven't
0: looked at it, how it plays yet. Plays out,
1: yeah. Take a look at it when you when you get a chance. It's interesting to see just like the way that they're trying to you know deal with COVID, and that's actually something I just want to touch on real quick that I think is going to be, you know, it's it's obviously known, but maybe it's not spoken of as much because we don't know what it's going to look like. But you look to the NFL right now, when someone tests positive, they miss usually a week, maybe two weeks. And that's, you know, one or two games, which given the size of their schedule is -hmm. substantial. But, you know, look at these teams that are going to be traveling all across the country back and forth. You test positive, you know, I don't know the whole list of what it takes to get back, but very reasonable that you're going to miss probably two weeks if you test positive for COVID and you're not in that bubble anymore. So it's a little Mm -hmm. bit stricter and, you know, missing six to eight games. That's a lot, man. That's a lot that, uh, you know, if a big time player tests positive or there's a breakout within that
0: team, you know, Mm -hmm. that's going
1: to have a major effect on, you know, what happens in the standings.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, unless there is significant uh, developments with the vaccine and all that stuff um, and just with this public health crisis, I would imagine at some point the NBA is going to start talking about going back to a bubble environment um maybe maybe it's just for the playoffs or maybe like the months leading up to the playoffs i think that seems
1: most likely it's probably for the the there'd be like a week or two break at the end of i mean i don't know they haven't Mm -hmm. even released the second half of the schedule so they're even taking it half by half there's no all-star like the end of that first half i think there's they'll technically name all-stars but there won't be like an actual all-star break so uh, I don't know. I mean, that's something we're just gonna have to kind of like stay in tune with and, and see what happens. But you know, just looking at the way the NFL's had to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really tricky, because you know, that's a what is there 50 plus people on an NFL roster where you can at least pluck and play and keep it moving. There's, you know, I think they might have expanded it from 12 to, you know, 13, 14 that are that are available active, but I mean, shit, dude. We're gonna be calling up some of the G League. There's gonna be a lot of Javante Green if we get hit with the wrong, if we get hit with COVID on our star players at the wrong time.
0: You know what I was just thinking about, man. Uh, Shouts to Javante Green. But how much? much (laughs) I kind of did it in a bad way. But (laughs) (laughs) how much money do you think, like the richest people, people that can afford it, would pay to like be in the bubble? and like attend all the games or attend any game that they want, but like they have to stay in the bubble and the moment they leave the bubble, then that's it. Or like, um, I'm, I'm just trying to think of a way that NBA could get fans into the bubble to watch these games. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's realistic. We don't have to talk, talk about it now, but that's just a little seed I want to throw out there. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, Adam it's, Silver, it's, if he's listening uh, right now.
1: I mean, revenue is always going to be important. That's like, you know, right now it's state to state. Like there's going to be some games where you get, you know, 10 per, 10 to 15 percent of that stadium actually has you know we live in Texas mm-hmm. if when the Celtics go to San Antonio or Dallas or Houston there there will be a handful of people in the arena and then when you get to that potential you know playoff bubble maybe down the line um, I, I think there is certainly people that would pay it um, although the experience that you're starting to hear from a lot of players is that they didn't really tend to like it so mm-hmm. um, which I can't blame them you know it's it's pretty you know, strict rules that, that go along with it. So we'll yeah. see. We'll get into that, but I, I think there's merit to that idea. Um, but for now, we want to we want to get into part. Two of our green 18 series uh last week we focused on the point guards which of course all kind of went to shit with with a huge trade that happened this past week but we'll mm-hmm. we'll touch on that a little bit later as we're moving on and we're focusing on the eastern conference shooting guards for this podcast and i'm gonna take a wild guess that su- that whoever's at the top of our list will probably play a role in that trade i just mentioned and so that will probably segue us into to touching on that topic but we're gonna do the same thing we did last week we're going to count it down from five to one we're going to snake it we're going to go back and forth um you want me to kick it off here or you want to jump
0: in with your with your number five here yeah let me go first go ahead um i wonder if this guy made your list i'm gonna guess no at number five i got a player who plays for the new jersey nets my man joe harris um So I, I, I struggled with this one choosing between Joe Harris and Bogdanovich, but I actually looked at Bogdanovich's numbers and like, they're not that much better than Joe Harris's. And I, I haven't seen enough of Bogdanovich like on big stages to know that he's going to really ball out or make a difference for Atlanta. So I went with Joe yeah. Harris because I like what he brings to the table. Um, and I think he's going to have a really big impact and he has a really big role for that, a team that's expected to contend for a championship this year. Um, he really impressed me when I saw him, uh, when he played for team USA, right? So he was in, in the closing five, a lot. For I was gonna that say, squad. He was, he was, he was in the closing five for the seventh place team. But yeah. Exactly. There's a lot of Celtics on that team too. So I shouldn't yeah, yeah, say yeah. too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I think he has a lot more game than people realize. Obviously he's a really great shooter. I was surprised he didn't, he actually didn't have great free throw numbers. He's like shooting 72% uh, last year from the free throw line career, 78%. Um, but he's a career 43% free, uh, three-point shooter last year shot 42%. And he's going to have a lot of wide open looks this year, man, if he's playing with Kyrie and KD. So I would imagine Joe Harris is about to have a career year and I'm, I'm excited to see what he, what he can bring. Cause he, he doesn't just shoot the ball, man. He has a nice little attack game. He's a little bit more athletic than I think people give him credit for. So, um, I, I don't imagine you have Joe Harris on your list. So I don't. I don't. I don't mind that pick. I like
1: it. Um, Joe Harris is a guy that I like as well. But I think it, it brings up an interesting point that you know right now, and I think both you kind, of, both you and I, kind of uh, agree with the Stevens method of of positionless basketball, where really it's. All handlers wings and bigs and that's really the way you can do it mm-hmm. but for our purposes we're trying to go traditional we're trying to trying to break it down point guard shooting guard small mm-hmm. forward and so i think especially when we're looking at the shooting guard small forward and even power forward to a certain degree there's a lot of crossover of guys that have Absolutely. multi-positional versatility so i think you and i are going to have some different ones because i struggle with this as well as who do i classify as a shooting guard, small forward. And so what I ended up doing in full disclosure was going to ESPN.com because I was tired of trying to decide who I wanted to apply to what. And I've been using their depth chart as okay. where I'm labeling people. So I believe for them, they actually have Joe Harris listed as, as the small forward. So I don't have him on my list. Oh, okay. All say. right. But I will say, even if I had him as a shooting guard, he would not have, have made my list. He would have been in consideration, but he would not have made my list. Uh, for me, number five, I went to Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls. Now, I think on talent, he's probably two or three as far as shooting guard with athleticism, ability to shoot. And I'll be honest, part of this fair or unfair is a reputation pick. If you look at his numbers, he's 25, 5, and 4. That's pretty freaking good. However, is it, you know, empty calories? He's on a team that hasn't been winning. He's been the focal point for the last two years. You really haven't seen a ton of progression with the Bulls. They're very young. Um, they've had their issues with coaching, front office, you know, roster buildings. So there's a lot that goes into it. But kind of similar to when we talked about point guards and looking at Trey Young, who's, you know, in a different class than Zach Levine, I think. Um, and that's another part of the shooting guard experiment for me. Number one was very easy two through seven or eight I could be convinced in, in a couple different orders like I don't I'm not necessarily committed to it I think the guy that's number one on this list for me he's a true star all-star almost everyone else on this list is a guy that could be the third or fourth best player on a true contending team and so with Zach Levine and Trey Young like there's just too talented that I couldn't leave them off my list. I don't necessarily love it. And a lot of that's reputation based since Jimmy Butler left the bulls. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I watched a ton of bulls basketball, but you know, looking at the standings, looking at the reputation, um, that's where I penalize Zach Levine. It might be unfair, but given that a guy's he's only 25 years old averaging 25 points. Like I said, five rebounds, four assists in the league. That's pretty freaking good. And there's still a lot that can happen with Zach Levine's career. So it's not over, but that's why I put him at, at number five for right now.
0: Yeah, I respect that. Um, You're going to hear my thoughts on Zach a little later. Okay. That sounds good.
1: All right. let, Let me get into number four and, and number four, I really, I have, I'm looking at my paper right now. I've crossed it out three different times. It was one guy <laughs> as there's two different guys I was looking at. One of them wasn't going to be on the list. The other one was going to be at number four. And it's interesting. You went with Joe Harris at number five. Um, it was actually Karis Levert that I was looking at for their shooting guard position. Okay. But I'm going with Vic Oladipo at number four yep. and Vic Oladipo is w- probably the only guy outside of the the number one guy that I have ranked that. When healthy, I think it is a stru- could be a true star, but injuries are the big thing with Vic. Don't really know where he's at. I'm more banking on that. The numbers and the way that he played when he came back last year is him kind of shaking that rust off. Uh, a lot of people talked about, you know, he had a similar, you know, recovery. like the Gordon Hayward injury like vicious injuries that take longer to heal and we think about you know how bad or or how frustrating was Gordon Hayward that first full year that he came back and then the beginning of that year three when he really started to look good and we got really excited and then we know the story we don't have to go down that rabbit hole all the the injury histories that popped up again but he looked really good and so I'm backing that Vic's gonna have a little bit of a bounce back here I'm not ready to elevate him but I'm gonna put him at number four, and I think you know Indiana's in a really weird position with him and Turner constantly being in uh, in trade rumors. So we'll see what happens. But when healthy, Oladipo can be a 25 and five guy, can be an All NBA type performer, can be an All Star. I don't know if he'll get back to that, but I'm gonna put. I'm not ready to take him off the list. So I'm gonna put him at number four for now.
0: Okay, yeah. With with Vic, um, I actually have him at number four as well. So okay, you know, the, same brain again, same brain. Yep. Yeah, the thing to be concerned about now that I'm thinking about it is he didn't have, you know, like at the bubble, he played in the bubble, right? And he didn't look good in the bubble. Which originally he wasn't going to.
1: So just keep that in mind. He wasn't going to, but due to contracts and, you know, peer pressure, he did end up playing.
0: For sure. So my, my point being that, at the end of the bubble to the beginning of this season, it's not the traditional length between the end of a season and the start of the next season. Right. So I'm a, that's why I would be a little concerned that he's just gonna, you know, make this comeback, but I I have pretty much the same ideas that you have, man. I I actually am betting on Vic to make that big comeback this year, as long as he remains in Indy. Um, I think if, if he gets traded, um, I I, I don't, I don't know if, if you just put him on a random team, um, that maybe doesn't have playoff aspirations or anything like that, that Vic necessarily balls out for them. Uh, he might put up some empty numbers, but I'm expecting Vic to like, I'm, I'm judging not really off of numbers, but off of impact. And I think that he could have a really big impact for uh, this Indiana team. And dude, it's yeah. not too long ago that they were two, two with LeBron's Cavs, and LeBron goaltended his layup at the end of the game yeah. where that would have put Indy up three, two right? That was with two seconds. I I went back and rewatched that series. It's 95, 95, eight seconds left. Oladipo beats LeBron off the dribble, lays the ball up. NBA screws the call. Two-minute report comes out the next day saying it was a goaltend, right? So they admitted they messed up. And it was pretty Mm -hmm. obvious that it was a goaltend in in real time as well. Um, It was just like the the ball hit the hit the backboard at a really low angle which I which is why I think it wasn't caught a goaltend in the moment and then LeBron right after that hits that three-pointer to 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 give Cleveland the three-two lead at the buzzer um so I think if that layup goes in now LeBron's shooting a three-pointer uh for the win and if if there's a bit bit higher stakes to that shot right because if he misses Mm -hmm. that three then it just goes to overtime so there's a there's an alternative universe where the Vic Oladipo-led Pacers beat LeBron James's Cavs in in 2018. So, like, Vic has the potential to be a star, as you said. 100%. um, So so that's why I had him at number four as well, because I was thinking about leaving him off of my list because of his injuries, but Mm -hmm. um, I just saw there was not – like, as you were saying earlier, when you look at the shooting guard position, it's kind of hard to find, like, depth at that spot because of the obsolescence of the traditional uh, positions.
1: Yeah, 100%. And one thing that you'll notice on my list is once, and you'll see this throughout the positions as we break them down, once I've seen somebody do something at a high level that I really respect, it's just hard for me to unsee it. You have to go Mm -hmm. through multiple Paul George stretches for me to finally be like, okay, maybe playoff P, not so much, more pandemic P. But a guy like Oladipo, like that that series, knowing that his height is going toe-to-toe with LeBron, Mm -hmm. like – I'm not ready. I haven't seen enough yet to make me go, he can't ever be that guy. I'm obviously cautious with the injuries, but I can't unsee what I've seen when it's at its best and it's really freaking good. And you know, he's probably number two on this list if he gets back to that to that level, maybe even number one. Um, so I think four is a a pretty appropriate spot. Uh let's go to the three spot. Who do you got? All right. So this
0: is where I have Zach Levine. Um I think I think he's posed for a breakout year, man. Um, he he's a much better shooter than I think people realize. I was very
1: surprised to look at how I knew he could stroke it, but I thought it would be a little less efficient. But he's shooting eight threes a game at about thirty eight percent. It's really good.
0: Yeah, and his career thirty eight and eighty two. You know, so I, I think he, he would ha- he would benefit a lot from having a true point guard next to him, which unfortunately for him, he just doesn't have. Well, they have Colby White, right? Colby so, White's their main point guard. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know enough about Colby White to say whether or not he's going to help Levine, um, you know, run the show. More, more of
1: a score first type. Exactly, point guard, right? which is
0: he, he doesn't seem oh. like the guy that I want Zach Levine next to. Um, so I, I think he needs to change his scenery, uh, but I am interested to see how he plays with Billy Donovan as his coach. Uh, I think Billy Donovan's style of, of play is going to unleash Zach Levine a little bit. So I I'm, I'm hoping that we see a career year out of Zach Levine. Cause I'm a fan. I think, I think he's a, yeah. a I think he's a really talented player. And I I'm excited to see that bulls team this year, man. I think with, with him marketing Wendell Carter being back um, I think that's a pretty solid threesome right there to start with. And with a new coach, and I think, and in, in with the extra playoff spots this year, I think that they could compete for the one of the nine or 10 playing seeds.
1: Yeah, I like all those young guys with the Bulls. I don't know why it hasn't worked. I'm not an expert on on the Bulls and, and where they've been. I know they just haven't been very good. Um, but I, I totally would not be surprised. Like I said, I think he's probably maybe the first or second most talented shooting guard in the mm-hmm. East as we, as we break it down. So if he were to make that jump, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And it would be super encouraging. But I think it could end up, Ultimately being, like you said, a change of scenery, like, and it's one of those things where, and I want to give credit to, I believe it was on the mismatch with uh, Verno and KOC, second reference today, where they talked about, you know, one of them brought up how much different would it be if you switch Zach Levine and and Jalen Brown? just just from the from the idea of how much circumstance plays can play a role for sure in the way that that you're developing it's an interesting thought and so i wonder if because he's never really been around a winning culture in the nba was with the timberwolves and then they traded him as part of the jimmy butler so he didn't even have that brief run where they had success so he's never really had success in the nba so or really had the structure to be able to do it so i think that's an interesting pick and i think there's definitely merit to him having a big year. Um, and if not, maybe it's time for him to move on. And that could be a hot guy for someone to go get, you know, either this year or next off season to, to add to their team. So for number three on my list is somebody that we talked about a few podcasts ago is free agency. I'm a huge fan. Love Fred Van Vliet. Got him at number three on my list. I feel like you're probably going to think it's a little high and that's okay. But once again, once I see something, I can't unsee it he was in a more reserve role playing for their championship team stepped up. No, we struggled at the beginning. We've talked about that, but then turned it on for the conference finals and the finals, did it on the biggest stage. And then last year, I think he's a little, you know, when you look at, you know, we talked about most of the guys on this list, they're your third or fourth best players. If you're really contending, they're not necessarily going to be your first or second. He has a lot of responsibility on, uh, on offense when it comes to the Raptors, it's him, Lowry, and Siakam that are doing the majority of the initiation within that offense. Um, and, you know, I just don't know how much better Lowry and Siakam are, you know, than, than Van Vliet. I would say they they both are better, but are they championship with that, with that threesome? Probably not. But Van Vliet, taking from that championship year to everything he did last year, offensively, defensively is very solid. Offensively, he's split in time with Lowry, kind of running and initiating that offense. They were the number two seed in the in the Eastern Conference. And that to me, that that it has to mean something. And so when I look at Van Vliet, we talked about Marcus Smart a little bit earlier. One of the reasons that I value Van Vliet a little bit more than Marcus Smart is because I think offensively, he's a little bit more consistent. I, if Marcus could get to that point where I don't think if you took Marcus, put him on the Raptors in Van Vliet's role, I don't think it's as successful. I just don't think that Marcus would, would be consistent enough. Now, maybe that will change. That's coaching. A little bit of Marcus. We'll see. But I think that's something I would love to see out of Marcus. But for Van Vliet, he showed it to me last year um i really love his game i think he's very easy to mix with with other players and i think for them it's really going to depend what siakam ultimately is is siakam the second team all nba that he made or is he more of a number two guy and see where they go from there but um bamblee can do a lot of things for you offensively solid defensively um he's been in big spots he's played well I like Fred Van Vliet at number three. I
0: know, I know you like Fred Van Vliet. I know <laughs> Big you like fan. Fred Van <laughs> uh, And he probably makes number five on my list if I had classified him as a shooting guard. I talked about him a little Fair. bit on the last pod. I kind of see what the Raptors do is start two-point guards. So, you know, I, I talked about Van Vliet and what I think mm-hmm. about him on the last pod. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I can't argue with that, man. Like Van VanVleet's Van Vliet's a good player. I think you're overrating him in, when you're comparing him to Marcus. I think obviously they have different skill sets, but um, I would say more, they're com- they have comparable impact on the game, uh, just in different ways. Different ways. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're on my number two? Yeah, we're at on your number two. All right. So I know you didn't classify him as a shooting guard, but I did. And I have Jalen Brown. Uh, so this okay. might be a bit of a homer pick. Everybody on Celtics Twitter that's been following Celtics Noise since I took over the account a couple of years back probably knows that I'm like one of the biggest JB guys on Celtics Twitter. And up until Tatum took that leap this year, I actually thought JB was, was the better player. You know, he, he's more, cons- he had been more consistent up until, when, up until Tatum took off. Um, I thought he outplayed Tatum last year during the Kyrie debacle. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think, and you, you referenced this earlier, JB's gonna have to really step up this year because without Gordon Hayward, uh, he needs to not take a step, he needs to take a leap. And if he doesn't take a leap, you know, last year I thought he made a significant step forward in his development. If he doesn't take a leap, then the Celtics aren't going anywhere this year because they need him to be the second best player if Kemba's going to be out. So, do you, do you think Jalen Brown needs to be an All Star this year? He needs to be in the conversation for sure. I know he was in the conversation last year, but for the Celtics to be a contender um, by the end, I you know by if it's by not by the All Star break it's not that big a deal, but when the playoffs playoffs come around, I think everybody needs to unequivocally say Jalen Brown is is going to be an all-star moving forward in the Eastern conference. Now, the the thing that I think was going to really help JB is what he started to show in the bubble a little bit where he started to make free throws at a higher clip. So he's, Mm -hmm. he's usually around like 70, 72%. He was up to 78% in the bubble. And if Jalen Brown is getting to the line, say eight times per game instead of four times per game, and if he bumps that up to around 80%, you might see JB average 25 a game because he averaged 20 only getting Mm -hmm. to the line four times, making three out of four, right? So if you get, if, if he starts to get more confident, and starts putting himself in positions with more increased opportunity to be a playmaker. If he's getting to the line eight to 10 times a game, I think you're going to see average uh, JB average like 25, seven and three. Roughly. Um, i I think you might see a slight dip in his three, uh, three point percentage. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause I think he's going to have to take a few more threes a little bit out of his game. He's, he plays within himself, which is what I love about Jalen. Uh, there are a few times he gets a little crazy on fast breaks and stuff like that, where he drives into traffic. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I think JB is one of the best, uh, you know, off ball guys in the league where he doesn't really need the ball in his hands or plays run for him to be successful. So I think that we're going to see Jalen Brown work his way, not into all-star conversation this year, man. I think he's going to be an all NBA conversation.
1: Okay. And that's big. Cause that's, you know, that's something we talked about before is that if the Celtics are really going to be, you know, in the NBA championship conversation, you just look historically, typically you have two guys that are in the top 15 to 20. One of them's usually solidly on that first team, all NBA. And that's where we believe Tatum will be. And we re- then you really need JB to be that guy. That's, you know, In that All NBA third team, or at least in that conversation on the fringes, if you're really going to be, and that's, I mean, just look throughout since 1980. That's generally how it goes. You usually have to have at least two of those guys. So I think this is a big year for JB. I'm I'm curious to know just, and this is kind of like a a coach's corner type thing. I think something that's going to be huge for both him and Tatum with the additional responsibility. And we saw it a little bit out of Tatum in the in the bubble with some um, more advanced playmaking than we had seen previously uh what are your thoughts on jb as a as a playmaker you mentioned him you know off the ball staying within himself uh now without hayward and now without kemba for the first two months you know it's it's not unreasonable to expect that he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot more both as a scorer and a creator what are your thoughts on on jb and, and that type of responsibility coming to his game
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, He's definitely improved as a passer, and he's he's starting to see the reads that come to him within the flow of the offense where he gets his opportunity, right? And he's such a smart guy. So I don't think that he's ever going to have issues, you know, eventually learning what is asked of him to do and learning the reads and recognizing the patterns. I just don't know that Steven sees him as like a pick and roll type player. You know what i mean so i i with mark i think stevens trust marcus and tatum more with the ball in their hands to run a pick and roll than mm-hmm. he's gonna so i don't think jb is yeah. gonna really run pick and roll to be honest with you um okay. so i think as long as he continues to improve his playmaking in that off ball role that's what's going to matter more than anything um so okay. you, 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 i i know we, we watch almost every bubble game together. And we, we started to see JB make some passes. We're like, Oh, JB, like nice. And you know, he he started to do some more stuff in the open court where I think he could be a better playmaker. Mm -hmm. You know, he, some of those passes he made were ridiculous, man. Like the baseball pass he made that one game, the full court skip pass, you know, so he's definitely got the eye. Um, So in transition, he's one of the best off most efficient offensive players in transition. So if he can add a little bit of passing to this transition game, then, you know, that's where I see him making an impact with playmaking. I just don't really see it in the half court.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's totally fair. And, you know, like, like you said, to begin, I didn't classify JB as the, as the shooting guard. We Mm -hmm. talked about my prediction for the starting lineup. I had Marcus smart slotted there, slotted there. And uh, he was just outside my top five. But like I said, Two through really seven or eight, as I was looking at how, the the ones that the players that I defined as shooting guards. Which you can go to ESPN.com, check the depth chart. That's that's what I was using to to classify. Um, you could you could sell me on on switching those up in a few different ways, and I I wouldn't really uh, I, I wouldn't die on the hill for any of those to be ranked in a certain order. So switching over to my number two, and I'm very curious to see your reaction to this. And I'm gonna I'm gonna warm up the vocal cords here just a just a little bit. Let's get get a little loose <laughs> number two on my
0: list i can be your hero baby oh my god bro overreaction let me let me
1: let me let me get into this. so tyler hero, right. miami heat number two you're right all right there could, there could be a little bit of recency bias in here maybe a lot we'll see but part of this for me is right now i think this might look crazier might look Super crazy. But I think by the end of the year, this might not look as crazy as it does now. And that's kind of what I'm making, especially when I couldn't find a huge gap in separation from two, like I said, two through eight. So I went with Tyler Hero. Once again, my eyes can't unsee what I saw in that bubble. I fell in love with Tyler Hero total man crush on, on Tyler hero, loved his game, loved watching him against the bucks, hated watching what he did against the Celtics. And then with the Lakers, he in the Lakers series in the finals, he reverted back to a little bit. You saw some of the rookie flaws that, Mm -hmm. that we were hoping we would have seen in that Celtics series, but just didn't, but love his confidence, love his ability to be the primary or secondary option. Love the way that he spaces the floor He can handle the ball. He's Mm -hmm. clearly fearless. Um, you know, the, the way that he performed in that bubble on the biggest stage. And I know it's different because it's not the same with the crowd, all of that. But I think that the way that he performed will be a catapult to what we're going to see in this upcoming season. Uh, very high on Tyler hero. I can He's see my that. number two pick.
0: <laughs> I mean, Tyler hero is good, man. He's like, to have him in the top five this year, I think if you're going to put him in your top five, you know, maybe number five, maybe number two is ridiculous. In my opinion. Um, he, so, you know, he obviously killed the Celtics. He was really good in the playoffs. He was really good in the bubble, as you said. Um, but he's also the type of guy that kills the Celtics. You know what I mean? And those types of guys don't necessarily don't necessarily have like crazy success all the time against every defense. It's just like when Devin Booker scored 72 points against us, you know what I mean? Like, like Devin Booker is a baller. Devin Booker's
1: pretty
0: good. No, I love Devin Booker. He is pretty good, but like seventy-two points is insane, you know. And like for some reason, Brad Stevens just like there are some guys, our pick-and-roll coverages don't work against, and he doesn't adjust. And he made that adjustment against Hero two games too late in that series, you know. So I think Hero, he he, (laughs) he's good, man. He's good, but he's not number two. Well, that's my number I mean, two. That's, that's insane, but, bro.
1: But that's part of my point. Like, it, like the way, at least with the guys that I was looking at on my list for shooting guards, like, am I really that upset? Like, I mean, so he, so just, just before we get to our number one, which I'm, which I'm pretty sure we both have is the same, mm-hmm. like the two through eight that I was looking at were Tyler hero, Fred Van Vliet, Oladipo and Lavert. mentioned them. Zach Levine talent wise, clearly, you know, I, mm-hmm. like I said, I think he would, he would be towards the top. Other than that, I mean, Bogdan was another guy that was right there on the fringe. Marcus, like all of those guys, I could rank those in a couple different ways, but Tyler Hero, 20 years old, coming off of what I just saw, I elevated him to that two spot. Like I said, probably too early. I admit that. I'm putting I'm okay. it on the record. It could be early, but I think by the end of the year, it's not going to look as crazy. Maybe it's still a little too high, but I don't think it's going to look
0: as crazy by the end so of the season. So for, for this next season, who would you rather have on your team? The guy that you put at number five on your list or the guy that you would put at number two on your list?
1: So it would depend on the role within the team. Like, it's it's, not in a
0: vacuum, in a vacuum. In
1: a vacuum it's Zach Levine. In a vacuum it's Zach Levine. But I think, you know, with the fit of – like Miami is a perfect spot seemingly for for Tyler Hero in the way that that they play. You know, in a, yeah, in a vacuum, the answer if you
0: is that. Dude, if you put are, – are, is Miami better with Zach Levine or Tyler Hero? this this season it's Zach Levine bro I answered the it's definitely Zach I mean Levine. I
1: mean I mean is it though because Zach yes. Lavine's putting, putting up these numbers as being the number one guy you know I don't know what that looks like with a guy that like I said a lot of my Zach Levine and, and I don't know if maybe you've watched more Zach Levine than, than I have entirely here is not you know amazing on defense but they they he works well within that system like I don't know. I just I just don't know if a guy that's going from getting the type of shots that Zach Levine is into that Miami system works the same way. I don't know. I don't know. I I'm I'm probably unfair. Like I said, on Zach Levine, it's probably unfair because my brain is filled with a lot of the the various basketball podcasts I listen to. And there's Mm -hmm. not one guy that ever comes to defend Zach Levine. I can't think of a rose. Okay, that's one guy. That's that's one guy. I've out of I'll be fair. I don't listen to Jalen Rose a ton, but of all the mm-hmm. podcasts, I to, every time Zach Levine gets brought up, there's not one guy that will adamantly be like, "Ah, it's just the wrong situation. It's not empty calories." Almost everybody feels like empty calories, and they're watching more than I am. So I'm taking their word for it. I'm basing it basing my eyes off of what I've seen with Tyler Hero in big moments, and Tyler Hero is my number two guy.
0: Okay, that's that's fair, and I, I think that Zach Levine you know, to me, you know, that I've always been a big Devin Booker guy, always big Devin Booker guy. I think Zach Levine is not too far off of what Devin Booker is. You know, Devin Booker is a much better pick and roll player. So like his ceilings a lot higher as like a, like a legitimate, maybe top five guy in the league. I think Devin Booker has that type of offensive potential. Uh, But I think Zach Levine has like, top 15 offensive potential maybe top 10 offensive potential in the league dude he he is a freaking problem with the ball in his hands um and and he's a great shooter off the ball i think if you put him on miami um for this upcoming season i i think hero mm-hmm. could be the better player over a course long term yeah yeah but i i think levine is really freaking good man Um, I hope Zach Levine gets a chance to play in a situation where he can prove to everybody that he can play because you're you're not wrong in that he hasn't been able to prove it. You know, so I I'm going off of, you know, what, you know, there really isn't any evidence that Zach Levine would be great in a in a good situation. But like from what I see, the same thing that I saw with Devin Booker, I think eventually that he's going to be in that spot and he's going to ball out like Devin Booker this year, I think is going to be in. Maybe not MVP conversation, but definitely second team All NBA conversation. NBA,
1: yeah, I think it's something to keep an eye on. So let's, let, that will be a running thing that you and I will, will take a look at, especially when the Celtics okay. play the the Heat and Bulls is, is breaking down. Tyler Hero, Zach Levine. So we'll, right. we'll keep that in mind. Let's go to number one here because that's going to get us to another topic that we're going to use to to then wrap this up and put a put a bow on it. But I'm assuming number one, we both have the same guy. Do you mm-hmm. have Bradley Beale? Bradley Beal. I have Bradley Beal as well. Love Bradley Beal right now. He's, he's one of those star players where I was thinking about it earlier today. I feel like his situation the last two years before this, this Westbrook wall trade and wall's been out to a degree kind of remind me a little bit of Paul Pierce in that Oh six, Oh seven type range. Yeah. Celtics where mm-hmm. he's clearly a star. He's much better than all of his teammates. It just doesn't have it around him because I know every time that the Celtics have played the Wizards over the last few years, it really feels like a evolution of, of Brad Beal as he's become the number one guy without John wall. And I walk away from the game going, Bradley Beal is the best player on the floor. Like, I feel Definitely. like that that happens a lot of times when I watch him and, you know, right now, if, if this doesn't work out with Westbrook, which we'll get to in a second, you know, he's a guy that I think fits in with every superstar. So if you talk about wanting to have, you know, the Tatum Brown that we're hoping they become. I think Bradley Beal is a perfect number two that can act as a number one in certain scenarios when needed, but probably not that guy that you want all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's ideal, you know, and very similar in that Devin Booker type mold. Maybe, you know, Booker's younger. We'll see what happens. But um, love Brad Beal. He's my number one shooting
0: guard. For sure. Now I think the Celtics, um, I, I hope at some point the Celtics make a legit run to get Brad Beal to play with this boy Tatum. Um, and I hope that it's this year. It's just unfortunate that that would come at the expense of Jalen Brown. I was you know, going to say, would you say, yeah,
1: J- cause that's that's the yeah. only way that that we get For sure. into, if, I, if Brad Beals on the
0: table. Yeah, I would. I, as much as I love JB, I'm, I'm such a big JB guy. I just think Brad Beals better player and he, him and Tatum together. The fact that they literally grew up together, uh, same same trainer old, Drew same Hanlon. Trainer. It just makes sense to me. So I, I I don't know if it's ever gonna happen, but I, as much as I love seeing the Jays together, Bradley Beal's 26, man. Like he's still a young guy, right? He's 26, or so he might be yeah. 27. Yeah, uh, he's
1: 27, but yeah. Okay. But he's, yeah, he's still,
0: still young. He's got, he's got five. He's got five great years in him. Exactly. You know? and I think and that's Teddy all you really, can hope for. You have Tatum for five. If you get Brad Beal for five, then
1: yeah, as it currently stands, you would have to make that Jalen trade. We'll see with the progression, maybe that changes. But while we're on that Brad Beal topic, let's just hit it real quick. Okay. Earlier in the week big trade, which I'll give you credit. You, you know, you mentioned it that it still might happen. I thought, you know, come on now these two aren't like, it doesn't, doesn't make a ton of sense. Cause it's, it's a weird trade. It's two really big names.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Russ Westbrook going to the wizards from the Rockets john wall going from the wizards to the rockets plus a very heavily protected first round pick Mm -hmm. um really two guys that are you know loaded contracts quote unquote untradeable but i guess when you trade them for each other double negatives it just kind of kind of erases that out um what are your your thoughts on this trade let's just stick to the wizards half for it right now so they get westbrook in my mind they traded the unknown for the known they Mm -hmm. just didn't like whatever you know they were seeing from wall supposedly i know wall requested a trade as well so um you know i think westbrook you know what you're getting with wall we didn't even put him on our point guard list because we, we just didn't know we haven't seen him in two years we don't know what that's gonna look like um i don't think westbrook is necessarily an ideal fit for beale but neither really was wall especially with the way Beal's um game has kind of developed but Undoubtedly, I think it puts them into that back end of the playoffs for the you know, in that new playoff format where it's the seven through 10, we'll have that play in, which we'll get to another day. I don't really like it, but we'll get to that another day. But I think that firmly puts them in that back end, but doesn't really, you know, the trade itself for me was very whelming, not underwhelmed, not overwhelmed, just whelming. And it, <laughs> it, it makes the Wizards better in the immediate sense, and, and they'll be in the back end of the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I, I thought they should have tried to go, I don't know if they did or not, but I thought. In terms of fit, going after Blake Griffin to go at Bradley Beal made more sense mm-hmm. for them. Um, getting, I would, I would have liked abitrust, that risk a lot more. I agree. Right? So, like the the fit with Westbrook and Beal, to me, dude, like Bradley Beal is not one of the. It's not the best shooting guard in the in in the East. I think he is one of the best players in the East. Like you know, he he's sure. re- he's really really good. And I actually was disappointed when I found out that he wasn't going to be playing in the bubble because. You know, when I heard that they were going to be going to the bubble, I was like, oh, Brad Beal for eight games can absolutely be the best player. So what Devin Booker ended up doing with Phoenix down the bubble, that's what I was expecting to see out of Brad Beal. Yeah. So um, Bradley Beal, you know, he struggled early in his career with injuries but the last three years, like he, he didn't play, I think over 65 games, like early in his career. And then, but the last three years up until this most recent season, he played like 82, 82 and 77 or something like that. So I think with him. Yeah. Last
1: four years, he's been very healthy.
0: For sure. And I think that's, that's a testament to his work ethic because he's definitely transformed his body. Um, And I, that's one thing to consider though, is Westbrook is notorious in, notorious for being a really, really hard worker. And I think when you pair him with Brad Beal, that they might inspire each other to just like have one of the best seasons that you like, I have I have a season that you did not expect to have out of that squad for me, dude. I think that the Westbrook trade actually doesn't put them in the playoff conversation. It puts them in like a top five seed conversation.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah.
0: Cause dude Westbrook by himself led Oklahoma city in a stacked West to the playoffs and like 50 wins, you know what I mean? Like what, why can't Russell Westbrook and Brad Beal have 50 wins in the East? You know, like, I, I, I think that, I think they're going to be a top five seed unless Westbrook just doesn't have it anymore, but I don't see that, man. Like, I, I think mean, here's they, the
1: thing. I, I, I don't know what to make of Russell Westbrook anymore. And maybe I'm unfairly off of Russell Westbrook. I know he's still good and talented, but I, from what I've seen over the last three years, like, I don't know how I just don't know where I I was like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want anything to do with Russell Westbrook on my team. Personally. I just, I I feel you. I don't want want him on the side. And there's very few circumstances that I think adding Russell Westbrook to goes, Ooh, okay. That team is now in championship Mm -hmm. competition, but let me ask you. So if you're put, if you say they have a chance to compete for that top five, do Mm -hmm. you think they're better right now than any of those I would say there's seven teams in the East mm-hmm. that are pretty much like, hey, these teams are making the playoffs
0: unless something catastrophic so, happens. For sure, team teams I have above them: Celtics, mm-hmm. uh, Nets, and even yep. that has a lot of question marks. That's fair. Sixers, yep. have a lot of question marks as well. Okay. And Heat. I I don't think would, that the, you wouldn't. You know, I don't think the, the Raptors, Raptors above no, I, I don't think that they're clearly better than, than a Bradley Bale, Russell Westbrook team.
1: But then also factor in, I don't really, I mean, if you look at that Wizards roster, they have Bertons, mm-hmm. Ruiz in his second year. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Thomas Bryant and, and I like Ish is Smith kills the Celtics for some reason. I feel like mm-hmm. every time I watch is Smith, he does yeah. well, but I don't know if the rest of that supporting cast, and it's more, I think a statement of, of what else is there than it is okay. just the two of them the two of them themselves clearly elevate the wizards into that spot where I think now that you're expanding the playoffs, to 10 teams without a doubt, just pencil them in like the Hawks. I think we still need to see it. I think I would expect the Hawks to be in that seven to 10 somewhere, but I still need to see it. The wizards I'm penciling them in somewhere in that seven to 10, they're going to be in that playoff, the play in.
0: Yeah. And I, dude, I hate the Russell Westbrook hate, Cause that dude is such a baller, man. Like he's not a championship guy. Like you can't, you can't win a championship with Russ Westbrook as your best player, but like that dude's better than he's still a top 15 guy. Just like in terms of sheer impact on a game with his athleticism and, and the dominance that he has, you know what I mean? Like. I think he, you're he, right. That's he, what I don't know what to do with them. Cause I don't want, like, I like, there's not. But he—I'm not know, saying that he's we'll gonna make it. them a, a championship team. I'm just saying, like, yeah. to say that they're gonna be a 10 seed in in the East, like, come on, man, like they're they're gonna be. They're going to be a top. I didn't say a
1: 10th, but they're going to be in that seven, eight range. I don't think they're better than any of those seven teams. If those seven teams in front of them stay mm-hmm. healthy, I think all of those teams are still better than the wizards. Yeah. Can the wizards beat them on any given night with Beal and Westbrook? They could beat anybody in the East. Of course,
0: for sure. But, I want to see the, you're, you're right though. I, I need to like actually look at the rest of the, the wizards roster. Cause I, that's I, kind have, of my point. It's not very good. I, I have it's not, not, not done that. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, right. the, I mean, Robin Lopez, um, sure. not, not a bad signing in Robin Lopez, but also
1: you know, I, I and maybe it's not his own fault, but he couldn't even get on the floor with with the Bucks this past postseason.
0: Yeah, he's not better than Brooke,
1: <laughs> he's not. But uh, that's my point how good is he? You know, like I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, they was loving the Robin Lopez signing based on his play on the Bulls three years ago against the Celtics in the first round. Sick. Like, you know, Simmons, it, I mean, I, I know, I know, but I'm just saying, like, I Robinson's how, not bad. I mean, come on, we're getting to these names now, which is my point. I think the Pacers and Raptors, maybe at the bottom end of those top seven teams, I think their depth and their, and their overall skill is better. Even if Beal and Westbrook are better at the top, I don't know. We'll we'll see how that all plays out, but yeah. Okay. So you're, you're,
0: so the thing we, we learned some things today, right? You're, you're a Tyler hero over Zach Levine guy. I'm a Zach Levine over Tyler hero guy. And for everyone Mm -hmm. out there, like this doesn't happen very often. Will and I usually have the same opinion (laughs) about everything. This is why I'm so excited about it. So, you know, you're going to be on Tyler hero train this year. I'm on the Zach Levine train. So we'll, we'll watch that throughout the season. And then I'm wizards and you are the rest of that five through nine.
1: Yeah, the, the if if there's not something catastrophic that happens, or the Pacers like blow it up, because who knows? The Pacers are kind of weird. With like I said, that Oladipo Turner, what they're gonna do? Mm-hmm. If those if those seven teams remain, you know, mostly healthy, and they, you know, who knows? Health is a relative term these days. But I think all of those seven teams are better. I, I'll say this: we'll, we'll factor in maybe one team having something weird happen. The Wizards will finish no higher than six. I guarantee it.
0: Okay, that's fair. Maybe we could put some okay. money on this. Uh, we'll do it. We'll do it off air, though.
1: We'll come up with. We'll come up with something. Maybe we'll report back. That'll be one of the segments right before the season starts. We'll come up with a, a couple things we're looking at, but that's gonna wrap up our series for today. Green eighteen, the shooting guards. Next week, we're coming at you with the small forwards. That's when we're really getting into some heavyweights here. Mm-hmm. where I think we're going to start to see um, some real all-stars, maybe even some MVPs that, that we're going to be talking about. But that's going to be exciting, man. I'm going uh, to be pumped to get on here and talk about that with you. All
0: right, bro. Yeah, th- thanks again for, uh, for joining me as we do every week here at uh, Green with Envy. Uh, GW, we're going to have some new Black Sheep Optimists playing people out. This one's called Skywalking. Y'all have a good day. Peace. Hi. Skywalking, I'm bouncing from cloud to cloud. Skywalking, I'm bouncing from cloud to cloud. Skywalking, I'm bouncing from cloud to cloud. Leave the earth, pass the moon, hit the stars. Skywalking, I'm bouncing from cloud.